Okay. Okay, thank you. I am so excited about um, being here today and sharing with you guys because I do have a passion for the kids and, you know, um, growing the next generation in the fullness of Christ is um, it's a big job, but we have the Holy Spirit to do that with us, to help us. And um, it's a journey that's fun. It's sometimes fearful. I mean, for us. And um, it's mysterious. It's exciting. It like just brings all this to our, wor <laughs> to our world. Am I moving too much? <laughs> oh, okay. Anyways, it reminds me of this story. And I don't know if anybody's going to remember it because it's 30 years old and I'm, I'm an old person. It's a movie that was on TV years ago. And it's called The Never-Ending Story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, and a lot of people aren't going to know it, so I'm going to kind of just give you the gist of it. Um, it's about a boy named Bastion, and he's um, 11 to 12 years old. And um, Bastion's kind of a loner, and he's being bullied by like five or six boys. And so you always see him always um, ducking and trying to get away from the bullies when he sees spots them ahead of time. So one time he ducks into um, a bookstore, and he meets an elderly gentleman in there who kind of gets the drift of what's going on with them. You know how we can tell what's going on with kids when they, even when we just meet them sometimes, we get a drift. Well, the uh, bookstore owner got an idea of what was going on with them, and he sort of introduces them to a book called The Never Ending Story, and it's more like a dare, and he actually steals the book, but... And uh, he takes it to the, um, he takes off with it, and he goes up to the school addict, because I said he's a loner, and he's actually skipping school, so I don't say the things in the book are excellent, but, <laughs> okay, and he's reading this book, and the book is about, well, it's, um, it's about a land called Fantasia, and um, in Fantasia is another boy about his age, and his name is Atreyu. He rides a horse named Aztec. And there's also even a princess, an empress in this story. It's just an amazing story. Anyway, so um, Atreyu is trying to save Fantasia because it's being overtaken by a nothingness that's going across the land. And every place it touches, the land disappears. So he's on this journey and this quest to, to save um, Fantasia, and he meets a ton of good characters along the way, like you would find in Alice in Wonderland, you know. And um, he gets um, halfway through with the book, and he, Bastion, we're talking about, and um, he hears his name being called from within the pages of the book. And the book's saying, Bastion, we need you. Come in. You have a part to play. Okay. And um, I, I tell you that story because that's what happens with us. We, we, in the children's ministry, we begin reading the Bible, and the kids, by the way, learn, learn it through their five senses, because until you're 11, your um, abstract thinking doesn't start. It's all what you can see. Everything we learn is what we can see. So, before they can jump into the story, they um, have to be given the book. And that's what we do in the, um, the kids. And that's what we, do, we all do, you know. Even, I mean, I'm talking today, even if you don't have a child, there's a generation out here in our world that got left out of the story. 
you could tell right now that, you know, we're hurting out there, and it's because the kids haven't been asked to come into the story. So anyways, um, so we bring them in, and they, at here, at Karis, we, we'll take them downstairs, and boy, we will tell them this story. We will open it up to them, and we, we learn about Abraham, we learn about Isaac, I mean, it goes into um, Jacob. We travel with them. I mean, we travel with Abraham to um, the land that God calls him to. We, in the children's ministry, we, um, we see him make the promise, right? We, we travel with them. And then um, we see um, when he's given his promised son, Isaac, right? And then from Isaac, we see Jacob. Well, we travel with Jacob because he ends up having to leave his land because he lies, right? So we travel with him all through the whole thing. Um, we meet um, Moses. We meet Joshua. As we're meeting them, we're traveling with them through the story. So it takes a while for us to begin to realize, like Bastion in this book, we have a part written in this story. And I think what is the first thing, I mean, even adults, will come to know that they have a part written in the story once you can identify you have sin in you. And for a child, well, for adults, it's a really hard thing to understand what sin looks like. And in order to really be called into God's story and to play our part, that's the first thing that'll get us in there. So I'm going to walk you through... Um, and try to give you an idea that you've probably never heard about before of what sin looks like, so that you can help other kids, help kids to understand. And um, the Lord works with me, and I kind of get a vision of, you know, he shows me a picture. Okay, so anyways, let's go back to, I'm going to show you the picture and take you back to the Garden of Eden. Okay, and, you know, man's, or man, the first man's being created. Okay. Um, he creates the first man um, with a body, um, a spirit. A spirit is mind, emotions. Not spirit, I'm sorry, soul, mind, emotions, will. And the spirit which in which this Adam, man, could communicate with God. I mean, God is right there with him, speaking through him. So anyways, he creates um, him in these three parts. Why? Because... He creates him in his image. Okay, that's one way he created him. But he created um, man, but we're going to go with Adam for right now, in his likeness. Um, so let's look at his likeness. Um, he created him, created, um, him with words. He created man to speak words, right? God is like the source of this. He's going to look like God. Well, God obviously can take his words, and God can create anything with his words. I mean, he speaks, and there it is, right? But when he created man in his image, he also gave him the ability to speak words and um, um, the ability to, for his words to have an effect on other people in the world. Because look at God's words has an, has an effect, does it not? I mean, when he speaks, it affects. 
So he made us like that. Okay, that's one way he made us. He made Adam like him. Um, another way is um, knowledge. Well, God is the source of all knowledge. He has all knowledge, all wisdom. He made man in his image so that we can know him. Right? And, and gain knowledge, which I think is awesome. Okay, another way that he made us um, um, like him was the ability to um, create. I mean, look at God, the way he creates, right? Look at our world. <laughs> it's just totally, we can't even comprehend being able to create in that way. I mean, if you look at the, look at the animals, look at the world, look at, look at us, the way we're made. Well, he made man in his image, and that is to create. Okay, we, I mean, look at us people. We, we create, we, um, we um, have hobbies. We create in other ways. We, we take and cook with it. We um, build houses with our creativity. We do gardens with our creativity. There's, any, there's a create channel on TV <laughs> that I, I like, but I mean, that just goes to show you we are so different. And we do like, we create because that's the way God made us. We just have this desire to extend outward and create. He um, made us like him. Well, we have a just, holy God who judges everything rightly because he can see from ever he can see from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So he, his judgment is just and right, uh, holy. But um, he gave us this sense of justice in man because when we see something that is not right, it does something to us. Because God is this God of justice. And we just have every desire to just fix that wrong that we see. Don't you want to just reach out and go, that's not right. Because God made us like him. And um, God is also a God that judges. There's justice and judge, judgment. They say we shouldn't judge, but you know what? We judge, and we were made to judge. Because we judge what's right and wrong. We judge what we're going to do for a living. We judge what we're going to eat. We judge what kind of car we're going to buy. And we do judge each other. We can say, you know, like, yeah, I don't want that hairstyle. Or, yeah, I do want that. You know, we judge. And you get, <laughs> we just do. But because God made us like him. He made us in his image. Um, let's think about something else. Work. Let me see. God... Um, Work six days and arrested seven. And, and God, when Jesus came, image of God, speaking God's words, says, my father's always working. I come to do his work. He made man to work. And um, I think that's a good thing. But, I mean, we want to really, seriously, we're made to want to leave something better behind. I mean, we all want to just go, okay, let me just leave something better than when I got here. We have a desire to work. Um, another way that he um, made us like him is love. God is source of all love. Um, without God, there is no love. But he made us to want to love, I mean, extend that love outward. You know, we, we, we are looking for things to love. You know, we have pets. We have family. You know, we just keep looking for more and more to love because that's the way we're made. We're made to extend love outside of ourselves. Okay. 
So now we know what Adam is made to look like. We know that he has um, the spirit of God, um, and God speaking to him, like, here, here's your image. Now let me tell you what to do with it. And I think when I think of this, I mean, I don't know, you know, we weren't there. I think that it was all through his spirit he was speaking. And I think that he could, um, man could see himself through God, could give him an image. This is what you look like. And because he had the knowledge within him that he could see himself through, he saw himself through God, right? Perfect man, Adam, when he was created, he saw himself through God. Um, but we're talking about sin. You're probably wondering, what what does this got to do with sin? Well, um, when Adam ate, when Chet Adam, the first man, chose to take and eat from that tree, he was choosing, first of all, to walk away from God, from hearing God and um, knowing God and all that communications that's going on with him. When he ate, he was making a choice to do, because he was doing what God told him not to do. So now you're choosing from, I'm not going to listen. He's saying, I'm not going to listen anymore. So he's closing his ears off when he eats from the tree. Um, what else? Um, I'm just doing it by memory at this point. <laughs> so when he eats, eats from the tree, um, there, it's called rebellion. And a rebellion like it takes place in his own being, you know. Do you know what that did to his image, God's image? Um, the things I just talked about were um, words. Words. Man's deciding for himself what this image is going to look like now. Now, deciding on his own, he's going to speak words that God would never speak. He's, he's twisting the image. He's twisting this image that God gave him. And he would speak words that God would never speak. Words that, by the way, affect people around you. And they can have devastating consequences on, and actually hurt the people that you were around. They could affect your world, which is also the gift that God gave the man. Was like, Here's a world I created for you to live in. You know? And um, here's an image. Now, let me guide you and direct you in that image. And man, when Adam, man chose to walk away from it, the image became affected. Let's go through it, though. Um, words, knowledge. Man could now, he would now, seek knowledge outside of the things. That, he would seek to know things that God would not choose for him to know, or God, God knows everything, but he would not choose for us to know. And with that knowledge, he would teach other people things that are contrary to what he was. that image was made for. He was made in the image of knowledge to extend outward God's image. He was, now he's twisting the knot, twisting it. Um, creativity. Now he could create with his hands things that God never intended. And, and you know, that's what's happened. Um, it happens almost immediately in the next chapter when um, um, the hands go around. I can't remember their name. I'm kind of blank right now. But with brother kills the other brother. Cain and Abel, there you go. There you go. Um, and not only the creativity, um, 
he was creating wrong, but then he got mad if God didn't like what he created and didn't like his offering. Now, the image that God is getting a little twisted here, if you haven't noticed, because it, and it goes on. Justice, you were, we were made with a sense of justice. Now, with man apart from God's word telling him what justice is, justice would be whatever he called it. And, you know, I mean, that's not a, that doesn't happen like overnight. It's little by little by little it gets changed, okay? Judge. Now man um, could take and judge something that God would consider completely unholy as good with his sense of judgment. Okay. The work of his hands obviously could affect the whole earth and everything he touches and um, turn it to bad and everything that he touches after that is used for evil. I'm not saying we have good and evil, but I'm saying this is sin that was born into man. Um, love. Now man, instead of um, love is made to express outward. God loves us, and he expresses that love outward. We were made in his image, which was to express that love outward. Now man is made in that same image of love, but instead of expressing it outwards, it would be twisted to, you know, come to you. And I'm not saying he's bad, but I'm just saying because there's an absence of love now, because the spirit is not feeling God is all love. When you, all of a sudden you don't feel love, you're going to seek it. But it's a twisted seeking. It's not the way that he was made in this pure sense to express love. I always say um, when his eyes were opened in the garden, I always have the vision of um, his eyes, like the letter I, I. His eyes were opened. It all became, all the image that he took on became about I. Everything's about I. When his eyes opened, his eyes opened. It turned from you to me. Um, so, yeah, so this is what happened. Um, and that's the sin that dwells in us. I mean, we're like a uh, long, long time. We don't even have, see image. Um, Adam knew what God's image looked like. He was like one on one with them. He could tell. We don't have we don't have any idea what we first looked like, right? I mean, at that, we don't know. Ours is twisted from years and years and years. Ours is what has become of the image after how many generations before we got we got it. Okay, so. I'm not like condemning us the same we look really bad, but how could we know what we're supposed to look like in the image of God? How would, how would you possibly know that um, the sin that lives in you is such a part of you that that's telling you, and you don't even know the difference. You see, when man became, when, um, when Adam did this, man really became uh, the image, I can't say the image of God is sin, but the nature of twisting that image is the sin that lived inside of him. And, he, and we don't even know the difference. Does that make sense to anybody? Okay. So that's where we start. And I mean, if you could tell, the, if you can just do little things with the kids, like, you know, like not say, you don't say you're a sinner, you little kid. You, you, you know, you just start pointing out little things. 
you know, to point out what sin looks like in them because they don't know that they're born with that and, you know, God made us to look different. Um, but anyway, um, that's, how, that's how sin became put in us and that's how we begin to understand we need a Savior, right? That's how we get called into the book. Like, because even all of us, when, when um, we come to the Lord, we will do something because and, and, we have it in our heart to want to do good. And somehow the image gets twisted and we do something we never really wanted to do. Well, that's the sin, and that's the sin that you're, you're, you're fighting with, that, that battling with. Well, now um, we're going to come to the good part. Now we've got to teach him about salvation. And he, because Adam did that, because Adam did that, all men, all men were made in his image after that. Because of one man's sin, everybody is sentenced, was sentenced to death. And because we, we, Adam gave us the image, and he was a master copy, and we didn't have to, we were born as a um, carbon copy after that. Everybody else was carbon copy. Okay, but... Um, then comes the salvation that we can, and it's all, all these um, growing in the fullness is baby steps, baby steps. Now that we got them into the story and we can say, this is, yeah, we need you, yeah, this is the way we were made and it's not much fun. You think we need help? You think, you know, maybe we can do it, we can get help? Because you're not going to be able to fix it on your own, <laughs> right? And um, that's when we let them know. God in his good news. It's like, oh, guess what, guys? God in his mercy. And it says it came from his love, the mercy that came from his love. Okay, so God, let's go back, though. God is, is um, now that Adam's done this, and Adam sent all men into this, this um, judgment because God said, when you eat from this tree, you will die. Well, God is a, um, we already said God's a just God. He's, um, he honors his word. His word said when you, he has, he's going to honor his word. And that's the way we want it, right? We want him to honor his word. When he says, we forgive, I forgive you, you want to know that he forgives you, that he's never going to change his mind on his word. His word is solid. Okay, so God has many parts. Um, and the one is that um, he honors his word. He's a just judge. This sin does need to be punished. You know, it took his very identity that he gave to us, and it twisted it. It stole his identity and his his creation. The man that the, that he loved that wanted to have a relationship with him. Would you be? He has every right to be mad at sin and want to pour out wrath on it, judgment. And so God in his um, judgment has to judge that sin to destroy it, and we want it destroyed. And his holiness, he's going to keep his word. So thank God um, he sends his son. Um, yes. Sends, um, now this is not, we, we, we kind of, mellow it out a little bit and go to his son. This is the second um, part of the, the Godhead. 
that's coming here. The second part of the Godhead that he sends in the image of sinful man. Um, and um, to take our place. In the image of sinful man, but without sin, of course, just to take our place so that um, sin could absolutely be punished. Um, so when Jesus did take uh, and was put on that cross, all sin was put on him, by the way, every bit of it. I mean past, present, and future. Um, for all time, all sin. I mean, we're talking from um, Noah. <laughs> all sin was put on him. I don't. I think I don't know. People quite understand that. And he uh, punished. And God punished that sin with His full wrath. He didn't hold anything back. He did not hold anything back. <sighs> it says that Jesus was marred beyond any human that ever walked the earth. Do you think that's because God's image was marred beyond recognition in Jesus and in, in man? When he was taking our place, he was really taking our place. He, he got every sin put on him, and God punished him to the full extent of the law. And then he was buried um, to bury our sin. Um, and when we accept that, when we accept that he was born, the Son of God, that he was put on a cross and died for our sins. See, we have to believe it, too. We have to confess it and believe it because we, God needs our faith to mix with his grace in order to accept it and to be given life. You have to believe it to be given life. Um, and when we do, when we believe, yes, this is God that came to... Um, to um, take the penalty, punish, and destroy that sin and bury it in the ground. And I believe he did that. And then we're raised in the newness of his spirit and joint. And by the way, it can't be separated anymore like before. We can't, it cannot be separated like, um, I mean, we didn't, we didn't choose to have it separated in the first place. Okay, so thank God that is never going to be separated from us now when we accept that fullness and that life in him. Yes. Yes, we are absolutely secure. But then there's still a process that, um, that goes on after that. I was going to say something else, but, oh, um, our sins are completely forgiven. I, that's what, I don't want to forget this part. I mean completely forgiven. And that's what people don't know. Your sins are forgiven. The people that even haven't even accepted him, you know what? Their sins are forgiven. Even the people that you get mad at because they did something to you, that sin's forgiven. It's all forgiven. But they don't know it yet. That is the good news. It's forgiven. God is not mad at you. Yes. That is so awesome to know. For It's forgiven. He's not mad at us. And it says, you know, in the last day, he's going to uh, judge the righteous and the unrighteous. He's not forgiven us for our sins. They're forgiven. 
He knows he filled out, he knows that he poured out his full penalty and wrath on Jesus. So he knows they're forgiven because he, Jesus paid for him. He knows he was there. He's the one that did it, right? Um, but in the day that we're going to be raised, the unrighteous and the righteous, that's what's going to be judged, is if you accepted the forgiveness. Not the sin is not going to be judged. Whether you accepted the gift that he offered you will cause your new birth. So you're not, we're not going to be judged for sin. And you know, nobody knows that. He's walking around feeling guilty and hiding from God because they're afraid to come and let us talk to him. I mean, we get that. People are afraid to talk to us because they think, oh my gosh, they're not going to like me. I have a sin. No, you don't. God forgave that sin. It's just you need to know it. Doesn't mean you, he, you, you, we should walk in it because you're still defiling his image. Okay, so anyways, um, rest of the story. We want the kids to grow in that. So now we've gotten them through identifying sin and to see what salvation looks like and that they're forgiven. He has so much more, though, so much more. The next thing I would um, tell them is what the kingdom looks like. Identify that kingdom for them. Because um, sorry, you want to identify the kingdom because um, we could tell our kids, yeah, yeah, you live in a new kingdom. So I can give you a picture of it because I mean, and help you identify it for kids because kids sort of need that picture. Um, when God created the first man. He took him into, he had a whole world. He took him into the Garden of Eden. It was a place of intimacy. It's an intimate space. Remember, he had no sin. Okay. It's a, it's a place that Adam and Eve shared with God in that intimate space. It's like we have a baby, and we, they're born in the world, but we bring them home. And it's that space, that intimate space where um, our family lives. It's the same. We, we liken it to that God is family. He's, and we liken it to that space where he encourages us. He um, comforts us. He teaches us. Right? And um, we communicate with him intimately. We hear his plans for us. And for the world. So his kingdom is in the intimate spaces within us. That's very alive. We live in a world, but we also have that space that we share with him. But he wants us to take it into the world as well. It's not just to stay there because Jesus prayed, my kingdom come. You know, the kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in the intimate spaces that we share, like we would share with our family at home, we're going to do this, this is our goal, da-da-da, and we get encouraged. And then we go out in the world, and we do what we said we were going to do. Well, God does that with us. Jesus does that. He just takes the intimate spaces that we spend time in with him, and then we go into the world, and we, we do what he says to do. In the kingdom, by the way, he is the king, so his word always rules our hearts in our minds. 
And so we, when we go into the world, we show other people the kingdom, even though if they don't even know it yet, we show it to them through who we obey. Okay? We vote the way Jesus would. We walk in the world the way Jesus, because he's our king. He, he's the ruler of the kingdom. So we, not only do we have it intimately at home, conversing with him and, and fellowshipping with him and just letting him teach and guide us, we have it outside, too. We walk, even though we're not in the world, we walk through it, and we show them the kingdom. And we live through his, his word, which rules the kingdom. Okay. Um, so we got to where we um, showed him what sin looked like and showed him what God's grace is and then um, showed him what the kingdom is. Now we got to... Um, there's, we got to um, let them know that um, they have to be conformed. Their um, souls, their minds, has to be conformed. Um, there's a scripture that I like. It's 2 Timothy 4.2. And um, it says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Teach sound doctrine, reprove, rebuke, encourage with patience and love. Well, the um, reprove and rebuke is um, not to condemn and to criticize. This is what the Holy Spirit does with us, by the way. Um, he teaches us the word, sound doctrine. Reproves comes beside us and reminds us what the word says. And reaffirms who we are in Christ. So the whole scripture is what the Holy Spirit does with us and encourages us with love. That's why it's never, never to condemn or to criticize. The Holy Spirit comes beside us. Now we got to teach and come beside the kids to do that too. And um, this is how it works. I, I'll show you a picture um, coming beside us. Um, say we just mess up. We have a really bad day. We lose our temper and we're acting not like Christ would act. Okay. Um, and you're feeling kind of like a failure. You know, you get that guilt. We're, we do get the guilt. Okay, the Holy Spirit comes beside us and says, you are not that. You are in me. I, you know, I have all patience. I have all patience. You have all love. You are not that person. And we, we come in agreement with them. We go, you're right, we're not. But he's teaching us the whole time. He's teaching us. Reproving, that is, reprove, confirm who we are. Yes. Remind us who we are. But um, that's what we um, do with each other, too, by the way. When we see them feel rejected, we come beside them and we do that with them. We like reprove, go, no, you're not. You are in Christ. You are not that person. With love and encouragement and tell them, remind them who they are. Um, when um, we're tempted to keep an offense and not forgive, the Holy Spirit comes beside us, you know, reproves, rebukes, which encourages, reaffirms, and says, you know, 
you're made in my likeness, we forgive. You know, as many times as it takes, we forgive. So, but we do that with others. I noticed that Jesus said in the Bible, and I, for a long time I didn't quite get it, because he said, told the disciples I have to wash your feet, but they were already clean. I never kind of got that. And then I realized their feet is what touches the world. It's what gets dirty. See, our soul touches the world. You know, our mind, our emotions, our flesh touches the world. And sometimes they can hear things in, in, uh, that God wouldn't tell us, and it gets dirty. So Jesus comes along and washes it. So he washes our feet every day. Um, well, maybe not every day, but, but we're supposed to wash each other's feet too. You know that. We were told, wash each other's feet. That's coming beside them and loving them and encouraging them and telling, um, helping them through the really, really hard times. Okay. But because, um, like I said, because the um, soul hasn't been saved, it needs to be saved through the Spirit, and that's how it's done. It needs to be transformed. Yeah. The last thing that I would probably teach him is, and this is really, really important, um, um, Hebrews 5.14, solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is evil. Um, we have to teach our kids to know the difference between good and evil because we have a whole world that's telling them what is evil is good and what is good is evil. And so they need to know what it looks like. And the best way I can tell you um, to start teaching them and what it looks like, um, what morally evil looks like, it's the devil, obviously, um, trying to come and influence and have his way in the world. But I would start by saying that, um, that they know behind the physical world is a spiritual world. And it's two spirits. Start really simple. Two spirits. The spirit of God and his angels and the spirit of darkness and his forces. Two. Only two. But it's behind every spiritual thing or every physical thing you will ever see. Okay. Um, they both have motives. John 10.10 10 are their motives. I have come to save, to give life. That's God's motive, to give life. The others, I come to steal, kill, and destroy. In the same verse, you'll find their motives. Have your kids study that verse so that they know who is talking to them behind the physical world. Because the enemy um, lives in a physical world, but, and he speaks lies to you. Um, and if you believe, he has an authority on his own in this earth, by the way. He really doesn't. Jesus took that authority back with him when he, he went to heaven. He come and stole it back. I mean, he didn't steal it. He took it back and then gave it to man. He gave it back to man. But there's many men that don't know they have it, and they're using it. They're not in his created image, so they're not using it in the way that it's intended to use. 
But anyway, he has no authority. Jesus has all authority on heaven and earth because in order to have authority, you have to have a body. He has no body, so he doesn't have any authority. Jesus had come and took on a body so he could have all authority on earth, and now he has all authority in heaven too. But Jesus' authority works through us. He works through us. The devil, um, his, the only thing he has is to lie. That's it. Just the power of deception is the only thing he has. But he's very sneaky. He does it in a um, way that you're not going to recognize. You know why? Because it comes through your emotions. Through your emotions, he's going to find somebody that you love or you like. And let's say um, my friend... My friend, uh, I don't want to touch anybody's toes, but my friend has a, a daughter that's, um, you know, unfortunately going to have a baby. She's too young. It's going to ruin her life. It's going to ruin her life, so, you know, she thinks that they need to get rid of it. I don't want to be too cold, Okay. But this is our friend, and you go, when the Satan's lying to you, going, it'd be better for her. I mean, she's so young. Satan comes in and starts saying, this is for your good. This is for her good. It would be better, you know, for this child if. you got to look at the motive. you got to stop listening to who it's coming from, your friend. Mo you know, Satan does it through emotions. Stop looking at that and going, no, seriously, we got to judge the words with the word of God in order to really see who it's coming from. Because even though you think that might be good for your friend, it's going to kill, steal, and destroy from her in the end if she does it. And they don't know that. But we got to teach our kids. I mean, you can't teach them all that, but slowly start teaching them. There's two, there's two, there's forces living in this world behind every physical thing you say. The devil looks through, uh, works through words and emotion. And he's going to get you to feel bad. It's my friend. They can't be all that bad. Okay, let's take um, illegal drugs or drug per se. Okay, and you're like a council member or you get to vote on it. Um, and then you, you can have Satan go, oh, it's pretty good. Look, your city's going to make all this money. It'll pay for this, and we could do other good, good things with that money. See what I'm saying? He, he takes a lie, and he makes it sound like it's going to be so good for you. People are deceived. It's going to destroy you. We don't, the only reason you tell them the difference is because you love them, and you don't want them to be destroyed, right? Yeah. Um, we can go on and on and on. He's been doing it for years. He started, by the way, he takes somebody you love, and he takes the emotion to go with it. Um, and he's been, I mean, we got to kick some of the lies out that we, he's already shown us. He could use your grandmother to say, yeah, we have cancer in our family. We've had it for years. Everybody dies from it in our family. Whose words are that? Steal, kill, and destroy. Look and see the motives behind the words being spoken. It's a grandma. Who doesn't love grandma? <laughs> Don't want to be mad at grandma. But you, we, we got to go, grandma got deceived. 
Grandma's passing that on to us. <laughs> right? Or, you know, we've just always been dumb in our family. <laughs> we don't go to, you know, we don't go on to college. But, you know. <laughs> and so he wants to kill, steal, and destroy your future. But he uses other people to do it. And we got to, instead of stop looking at the people and saying, but I love that person, you got to say, well, that person, we got to teach that person that they were taught wrong. But you don't do that if you know the word and you start looking at the motives behind the word. Um, I could tell you where, I mean, you don't have to do it now, but um, there's, um, oh, we're going to go through the armor too. I just, the kids need that, we need that. There's two verses I want you to look up when you get a chance because I, don't, I want you to know that I'm telling you the truth where the devil works through people. I want you to have it right out of the book, okay? Um, I'll just go ahead and read them. In 28, um, Ezekiel 28. Um, the Lord is talking... And the Lord um, has given Ezekiel a word to go tell the king of Tyre this. He's looking right at the king, which is, who I want you to see somebody speaking behind what you see, behind the physical. So the Lord is saying, go say to the king of Tyre, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the devil. But it's behind the king. Okay. Every precious stone was your covering. And I'm not going to name all the stones. Okay. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you in the days you were created. So apparently he was an angel that was supposed to worship before the throne. You were the anointed cherub who covers. Who I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. So he was at the throne of God as an angel of worship. Okay. And then he, he was found in him. But first I want you to identify Satan works through people. So you know that. The second one is um, Isaiah and it's 14. Then I want you to know this so that you get really mad. <laughs> We're going to identify. Um, people go, well, well, then why did God put devil, the devil in the garden to even tempt people? God didn't do that. God created Lucifer. He didn't create the devil. Lucifer sinned and fell. Okay, the fall of Lucifer, I want, um, Isaiah 14. I want you to see he has motives. Satan has motives. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground. You who weaken the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation. Okay, we can stop there. I, um, so his motive was to ascend above God. This is his whole motive, right? And it says that um, <clears throat> he was cast down. So remember we talked about how we were created? And I said um, we were created in the image of God. No angels were given those things. None of them had words. 
None of them had not. I mean, they, they were told to speak what God told them to speak. They didn't have knowledge of their own. God told them. They didn't get to do the creative works of their hands. They still don't. They do what God tells them. You see what I'm saying? Everything that we were given, Satan's sitting there going, oh, they got that. They got this. They got this. Power words. Okay. Um, love. I'm going to. So I say this is when he decided that he was going to try to serve his purpose and defeat God was when he came down into Edom, Eden to man. And then he took a third of the angels with him at the time because he really thought that man's authority, if he took the image, man's authority that he could defeat Satan. But because of the salvation of God, there's, he didn't. He was defeated forever. But the only point is to show you he has a plan and a purpose. He's still doing it. He has no power. So we need to help other people realize the motives and the person behind this. He is here to steal, kill, and destroy you. He's not here to help you. And once they can start recognizing, I think that um, the motive or what's going to happen if you do this, in a loving way, you don't, like, you know what I'm talking about. You don't scream at people. But in a loving way, you go, ooh, let's think about this in the long run. What would happen? And so you start slowly pointing out to people what would happen because they don't know. They're deceived. And so we have to come together as, you know, God's anointed and start telling people and not say you're deceived, but start showing them um, what this is going to bring. We have to recognize who's behind what and what's going to come because of it when they're making decisions in their life, you know. Anyway, the armor. We're going to go through the armor just real quick because every um, piece of armor is a mighty in power to stand against the devil's schemes. Um, the bell of the truth, we already covered that. Um, the truth is the gospel, that all God's word is the gospel. The truth is you are um, saved. The truth is you're forgiven for sins, even for those that don't know it. Um, but the breastplate of righteousness is um, we have to stand on his righteousness because the devil's scheme is to come and tell you, yeah, really? Do you remember when you did this? <laughs> remember when you did that? Oh, that was yesterday, by the way. You know, I mean, you know, we used to slip and fall. So he's going to say, you are not righteous. You have no right to stand up you stand up and say anything, or you have no right to do anything, because you are not righteous. So um, we, this is our weapon. Is yeah, I am righteous through God, through Jesus. I have His righteousness. It's um, helmet of salvation. The schemes of the devil is to try to get you to look around the world, in your emotions, in circumstances. You have to keep your mind on, the, on your salvation, on, on, on his word and who you are in him. And stop looking through emotions and circumstances to identify who you are. Okay, the, the, the thing to counter it is to keep your mind on him. Um, shield of faith. Okay, 
the, the weapon is going to be, does God really love you? Does God really love you? If he did, he wouldn't let that happen to you. He wouldn't let your friend do that. And, you know, you get hurt or be sick or die. He wouldn't take your child so early. Does he really love you? The shield of faith is to say, he loves me because the cross says he loves me. The cross says he loves me. So this is to test your love for him, really. You put up the shield of faith and you, you let him know um, that it's about he does love me. When, you, when he goes to ask you, does he really love you because you're facing a hard situation or a circumstance and you just remember, he loves me. Um, choose a peace. Scheme of the enemy is to let you think that you should get along with everybody and love them all and be at peace with everybody. That's a lie because the peace that God gave us is peace with God. He made peace with, uh, with us and God by forgiving our sins. Not the world, because the Bible says we're going to have trouble with the world. That we're going to be persecuted from the world, right? So don't fall for that lie. I mean, we want to love people. But um, the shoes of peace is spreading the gospel, but it's not about making peace with the world. And the last one is um, the sword of the spirit. And that is a, um, it could be used two ways. Of course, it's used to, um, to help us stand in the word. It's used to um, defeat our enemies in, in all situations. But it's also used, we get hit once in a while by an arrow, and it gets sunk in. And we can keep that thing in there for years because we don't realize we've been hit, you know, in a faulty belief that we have. And once we start learning the word better, we can also not only use it to attack the enemy, we can dig the arrows out of us with the word of God as well that's been rooted in there for a long time. So it's used, I mean, because um, men in battle used to use it two ways. You know, they would use it to dig out the, the arrows that they got. So we have to learn to do that. I've learned to dig out a lot of the arrows that hit me that I never even knew were really an arrow. Got <laughs> so used to having it in me, you know what I mean? But the more you learn the Word of God, the easier it is to dig those out and not live with the pain or anything anymore. Well, I hope this helps everybody in um, me teaching. I It's different. I was a little nervous coming up here and because um, I'm used to, I'm with kids and I teach kids and I love it. And he said, they're just a little taller. I said, okay. And then I got to tell you a little joke. Um, the other day I, I looked at um, um, Facebook for Karis. And I went, oh, man, I'm so nervous. We're going up. You know how you do this. You get ready, prepare. Uh, and God's always comforting me and helping me. And um, I go, I don't know why I'm doing this. And then I seen Pastor Chad posts on there, God can even use a donkey. And I went, that's why. <laughs> Do I want to pray over you? Sure. Father, we just love you. We just love you. And 
We ask, Father, for um, your word, Lord, that is the written word and the living word. That, Father, your ability to um, show us, to put a vision in our heart and our mind, Lord, just to show us in living color when we're walking through the word and we're learning it, Lord. We ask that you just um, put that on every person in here, Lord, that they can um, see the way you see and um, guide them. And we um, just pray for everybody that comes in contact with people that need to learn, too, Lord, that you lead them and guide them, strengthen them, and, 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 and let them know exactly what that person needs. We just pray that you um, be with us as we leave today, Lord, and we just honor you and we love you, and please help us to glorify your image in everything we do on this earth. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.